All right, welcome to another episode of Gaming Historia. Colby is back this week. Good Hello. old Colby Tortellini is with us. It's um, me. Say, say your last name for real since I always... Tortorisi. Tortorisi. So Colby Tortorisi slash Colby Tortorini is with us. And um, this week, we're going to go with... Uh, we're going to go down a... Uh, we're going to take a trip down memory lane and... We're going to talk about <clears throat> a few of our favorite gaming memories and moments, and then we're going to uh, to to hive mind it and share some experiences from the history of gaming, from whenever I was a little kid in 1980 um, <laughs> to <clears throat> to. Colby's childhood, which was much later than mine. A few years and, ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Basically still in it. Yeah. So that way we'll get a uh, we'll get a little bit of our own personal fun stories that we've had as as the big moments in gaming for us. And then we will talk just for a few minutes about some of the, the biggest moments in history that we did no research on this because we wanted to be things that we remembered. Not things that we looked up as big moments. Organic experiences. Yeah. And and that way, you guys will probably have some as well. And you're welcome to hit us up on Twitter and give us some of your favorite memories. Leave comments if you're listening to this on GamingHistoria.com. Or go to GamingHistoria.com and see the beautiful banner art we do. And leave and some go, comments there go as go well. look at all my articles and nobody else's. Yeah, or look at all the articles because everybody is putting out some pretty quality work right now for or or just mine for a for a very young site. So, <laughs> yeah, jump on jump on the gaming story and and we're you know we're working on getting the community up and going there. The site's still getting worked on, but it is some very good stuff usable. Going. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. The the start is going to be Mr. Tortellini giving me a little interview about some of my gaming memories and history and then I will do the same for him for a few and then like I said we'll get into some of the big moments that we both remember throughout our lifetimes about gaming and yeah. and uh, this one's a little bit more lighthearted. we're not going to get into anything that was too crazy I don't think but uh, it'll be it'll be some fun memories some some fun discussions about the past so to start, why don't you just tell me kind of your earliest big gaming memory you have, whether it be what got you started in gaming or a big moment, just one one of your earliest memories. The the very first, well, okay, okay so the very very first like memory I have of of a video game that goes back to to Christmas of like nineteen eighty three or eighty four. If not a little bit, I, I was probably five years old, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the only game I wanted for Christmas was Popeye for Atari, <laughs> and I wanted it so bad. And uh, my parents did a thing where you know we we had stockings up by the chimney, and then presents under the tree, and everything. And then there was always a little stocking in my room, but I woke up so excited that morning that I just ran by the, by the stocking in my room went and I ripped through all the presents, ripped <laughs> through my stocking. <clears throat> and then they, you know, they're like, so how, how was your Christmas? And I was like, it was good. And, you know, I was always, I was the kid at Christmas, you know, I was always super excited about everything. Yeah. And they're like, well, what's wrong? You know, 
why was this not a great Christmas? I said, I don't know. I just really wanted that Pi Pi game. And so my dad said, well, go check in your room real quick because I think you left something in there. And I went in there and there it was right in the stocking that I ran <laughs> right by in the morning. And for the next two days, all I played was Popeye on Atari, which for those who have played it, it was an okay game. But for a five-year-old kid who loved Popeye and it, it looked amazing on Atari, it, that was that was the moment, man. I, I, was, I was about so to say, it. games are a lot better when you're younger. So w- w- was it super fun? Oh, I loved it to death. And and I'm sure if I played it now, I would not enjoy it as much. But it was actually a port, I believe, of an arcade game that I had played at arcades. And that's why I wanted it so bad. And, you know, it was it was kind of like a Mario-type platformer, but with Popeye. And I think you got to punch the, the bad guys <laughs> instead of jump on their heads. And, you know, you get spinach to power up or something. I don't remember the whole game at this point. But I, I remember just... I loved it, and it looked great, and it was, uh, you know, it was this fantastic game, and that was, yeah, that was the big first, like, that's the first thing I can think of in in gaming as the okay. first big moment. All right, so going on from that, uh, through kind of like your childhood and teen years, what 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 like which consoles did you have, and kind of what were your favorites? You know, were you Sega, Nintendo kid? Like, what did you have, and what were your favorite systems? So I started off with Atari and had everything on it. And <clears throat> excuse me, there were there were a lot of games that I really really liked on that one, and and some that people probably don't even know about anymore. Like one was called Desert Eagle, which sounds like it's a shooting game, but it's actually like one of the first uh, shmups where you played an eagle in the desert, flying at a forty five degree angle through this desert, and you'd have to dodge stuff, and you know quote-unquote bullets would fly at you you'd have to get out of, out of the way of those um and so i had a lot of fun with atari but then we got the nintendo um the day it actually launched in dallas because oh. it, it didn't launch the same time in dallas as it did in new york um because it came to new york first but, test market yeah and so once it came to dallas we got it that day <clears throat> and and my dad wasn't a big guy into games he never has been and he wasn't back then either he he thought they were a waste of time but he knew that i enjoyed him and he he wanted to make sure that i had it so we got it brought it into my room and hooked it up and as soon as we put in the very first mario brothers he said oh my god i a game will never look better than this this is unreal this is it yeah and we sat there for probably he's he probably sat in my room for two hours watching that game and he had no interest (laughs) in video games but he was just so blown away by what Nintendo had done. So Nintendo, I played a whole lot. And then you got into the Super Nintendo and, and Sega Wars. And I had both of those. Um, and the Super Nintendo, really, I used mainly for uh, Street Fighter 2 and Super Mario World. And that was about it. Uh, the Sega is where I played most of my games. And I, I liked Sonic more than I liked Mario. Um <clears throat> And part of that was the advertising, you know, it was Sega does what Nintendo don't. And mm-hmm. you know, I bought into that and, you know, I would, I'd brag about how it has its, its turbo chip or whatever they had in there. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine had a TurboGrafx-16 and I would go over there and play Bonk all the time, but I never owned one myself. Um, and then from there I ended up with... Um, the Sega Saturn 
and that's probably my favorite system of all time. Really? Um, yeah, the Sega Saturn had so many good games on it, and I just fell in love with it. So I was there day one to pick up a Dreamcast as well, because Sega was just killing it at that point. And Dreamcast really was probably the best system that was made in that time period. It seems like it was so ahead of its time. It was. I mean, we got all my friends were over. We had a, a game called I think it was called Power Stone on there, which was uh, like a. It was kind of like Super Smash Brothers, but it was three D, like a three D world or a three D fighting arena instead of uh, a two D, you know, side. Whatever. It, it was. It was more <laughs> yeah, of a three D yeah. type of uh, <laughs> arena that you would fight in, and. We hooked it up online for the first time, and we were blown away. We are like, oh, my God, we're playing games online. And through this time, you know, I was playing PC, but PC has always kind of been there. Um, yeah. But the Dreamcast just blew me away. PlayStation 1, um, it was cool, but the, the Saturn was my preferred one because of Virtua Fighter. Virtua mm-hmm. Fighter was a Sega-only fighting game at the time because Sega made it, and I just... That was one of my favorite games, and uh, we would play that for hours on end. So, um, and then I imported a couple Saturn games. I had like three or four imported Saturn games that that were like mashup fighters and stuff like that, and that was by far my favorite. But I, I don't think there's a system that I haven't owned at least for a little while. I owned the Wii U for a little while, and then I, I sold it because there was nothing on it um hey there was a good two games on there <laughs> yeah exactly so um yeah i mean i've i've had just about everything outside of like the panasonic and you know that kind of the few systems that came out that were like somebody trying to break into the industry and they weren't great like the Ouya. yeah i i that's one i never got the 3do i never picked up <laughs> you're um, not the only one <laughs> The Jaguar and the Neo Geo were the two. The, uh, the Neo Geo, more than anything else, was the one I wanted the most. But it was such an expensive system. It was. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how much it was. I'd have to look it up. But it was it was over six hundred dollars if I remember right. And the games themselves were over a hundred dollars each. Um, Good lord. Well, I, they were like arcade ports. You were buy, basically buying an arcade cabinet. Yeah. Um, and they were. I, I can't say that they were perfect copies of the arcade version, but they were really, really close. Um, but my favorite handheld, not necessarily because of the games on it. Well, actually, no, I take that back. It was because of the games on it. It was the uh, the Sega Game Gear, okay. which had the Shining Force series on it. And of all game series out there, Shining Force has always been my favorite. Not the new one, because they completely destroyed it, but... <laughs> The old ones were kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics, but they were just these incredibly well-done turn-based strategy games. And uh, The Game Gear was backlit, right? Yeah, it was backlit and full color, and so whenever you put it up next to a Game Boy, it just crushed it. Um, so yeah, the Game Gear was, for handhelds, my favorite, even though I did like the Atari one. Um what was the Atari handheld? That um, wasn't the Jaguar. No, I just went blank on the name of it. Lynx, the Atari Lynx. Oh, yeah. Um, and the cool thing with that is that you could flip it either direction. So if you're a left-handed player, you could flip it over and, 
and play it left-handed. If you're right-handed, flip it the other way and play it right-handed. That's and handy. the screen would would adjust to be correct. So it was a cool system. It just didn't have a whole lot on it that you wanted to play. But yeah. um, the the Game Gear, man, that thing was awesome. And and whenever the Wii came out, that was great too. The, the original Wii, just Wii Sports alone was worth it for that system. All right, so now... Basically, let's just transition into your biggest favorite gaming memory that you have. Um, all right, so it's it's I'll, I'll try to it's a very long story, so I'm going to try to make it real short because okay, it's a story that I could tell for hours, but I'll just do little snippets but of before it. Before um, you before you jump in, does this story involve the word FIFA? No, it does not. <gasps> I'm shocked. But okay. this this is actually my favorite game ever made, which is Rise of Nations. Um, it's a, for those who don't know, it's a real-time strategy game that takes all the elements that the Civilization games have uh, as far as, you know, con- controlling borders and things like that and advancing through time, and it makes it real-time. Um, and there's multiple ways to win. You can win by building borders. You don't have to fight at all. I've played in games where... There was no battle at all. Somebody just won by building up uh, enough wonders to get a wonder victory or whatever. Um, then there's been other games where nobody won because we caused a nuclear Armageddon because we were just <laughs> nuking each other left and right. It's a it's a super deep game. They they remastered and relaunched it. Uh, I guess it was in 2016 it originally came out in 2002 and and i've played it since then so i've played that game for almost 16 years now um but but back in the day whenever i worked at gamestop we played with um i'm not gonna give names or anybody about any of the people who we played with but um a lot of us would play and one of the people i worked with he was extremely competitive and I just I steamrolled him, and the, the first time that I played the game, I played against um, just just one of the guys I worked with directly, just a good friend of mine, and he came over a hill to attack my civilization, to attack my country, and he had you know guys on camelback with swords and stuff, and then I came out from the side with a whole bunch of tanks, and I was like two ages ahead of him, so I had much more advanced technology, and I just steamrolled his whole country. <laughs> and we still tell that story. You know, he'll occasionally just call me and be like, "Hey, remember whenever I attacked you with camels, and you responded with tanks and airplanes?" <laughs> like, yeah, I do. Um, but the the best moment is we played a, a four player game, and the guy who was super competitive, he got very. Um, frustrated that I was winning so much like he he didn't think I was a good gamer and so he was mad about it so he said that I was kind of cheating by building too big of armies and stuff like that and I wasn't putting enough into the infrastructure of my civilization so I told him okay let's let's play another game and I will not build one barracks unit I won't build any soldiers any tanks any airplanes nothing like that and I'll still beat you and so he focused on trying to trying to take out all my religious stuff and all my wonders because he thought that's what I was going to go for because with religion you can push borders and take over a certain amount of the map with with your religion mm-hmm. and then you win the game that way. Instead, I picked the Russians as my nation which gives you a discount on spies 
and I built an army of spies who the only <laughs> people that spies can kill are commandos. They're, they can't kill or take out buildings or anything like that. And they can't kill other units. But they can bribe other units. So I had like 10 or 12 spies sitting outside of his barracks and he would build a troop and then I would bribe the troop so it would then fight for me. And it became this really nasty cycle where he would start pumping out more and more troops and I would just keep on bribing them. So I built up this <laughs> huge army because they, as he was building troops, they would just go back to, to attack the barracks. And then he would try to build new barracks to build even more and more troops. And I took him out just by with his own army. And That's beautiful. He had some choice words afterwards. He was so angry. But the other people that were watching us play, they were like, oh, dude, that was... They must that have thought that brutal, was hilarious. Yeah, that, they said that was a brutal way to take them out. And you <laughs> said you did exactly what you said. You didn't build one unit. I bought them, but I never built them. And uh, that that game has just given me so many memories. Another time, I and this one's super short. Another time, my friend was just steamrolling through my whole nation. I took a couple of commandos who are basically snipers. Um, and they can set demolitions on buildings, but they can't actually destroy the building. They can bring it down to one hit point. And so while he's just steamrolling through my entire nation, I send three commandos and one marine to the back of his nation, set the charges on his capital, bring it down to one hit point. And I'm like, hey, go look at your capital. And there's just a one guy standing there at that point and he shoots the capital and I win the game because I took out his capital and he's and he had me down to where I was down to just my capital left but you know you can do these sneaky plays and stuff like that and and it's just it's one of those games that I have hundreds of stories because we played so many different games and yeah and so many different strategies so it's a it's a brilliant game and Brian Reynolds who we mentioned in in a podcast last week on in search of the story was the guy who designed it and he's still in the industry making stuff so he's a guy to keep on watching because the guy really knows how to design games that give you options and and that's ultimately what i like i think that's all the questions i have for you do you have anything else you want to add or anything um i'll say outside of of straight video games one of the things that that i spent a lot of time on was most of my life i played magic i magic the gathering the card game which mm -hmm. A lot of people leave out of the gaming discussion, but it's it's essentially it's, it's a, a game. Yeah, it's another game. You know, board games are a big part of it, and this falls in that board game category. And um, it's it's one other piece of one of those favorite moments in in my gaming life. Uh, I had played since Alpha, and whenever I was younger, I had time to go to tournaments, and I made some money doing tournaments here and there. Um, but early on, before you could get what's called a net deck which is where you just go online and buy a deck, you would have to brew. You'd have to take your cards and put together a deck and take it to a tournament where nobody knew who was going to play what. The meta was very... You, you didn't know by the third land what deck they were playing. So it was... Magic was at I its best at that like point. That. Yeah, and so... I, I played a guy at a tournament, this big dude. I was like 16 or something, and he was this big dude, big, hairy, bearded man. And uh, he he liked the deck that I had built, but he was also mad that I beat him because he was like the big shot around town. And he said, but but you're good at making decks. He goes, how about how about you try to bring a some other deck that's not as, you know, not... 
not a traditional just beat somebody down deck. And I said, pick a, pick any card that's in Magic right now, and I'll build a deck around it. And then I'll, I'll bring it to the next tournament, and that's the deck I'll play. And I'll beat you with it. And, you know, that was a cocky 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, okay, Chronotog, which is one of the worst cards ever made in Magic. It's you skip your next turn to give it plus two, plus two. That's it. Like, you just don't get your next turn. Um, that sounds awful. And you essentially... Yeah, and essentially you get to do five damage if they don't block. Um, so I was like, oh, God. So <laughs> a friend of mine and I spent a week putting together a deck, trying to find it, and we were missing a piece. We could not figure out the last thing of what we wanted to do, and we solved it, and we finally put together this deck, which is a Chronotog deck, which I have found people online who have said whoever created that deck is the devil. And... I'm not saying that I'm the only person that made that deck because on you, I couldn't have posted it online at that point. There were no real places for it yet. So I'm sure other people around the country or, or the world were making decks that were very similar. But in our area, it was the first time it was seen. And essentially, without getting into the complicated side of it, by turn three or four, the deck locked out the other player from being able to do anything. Everything they would play they couldn't use because it would come into play already tapped or exhausted or whatever word you're used to that, you know, it couldn't be used. Mm-hmm. And what you would do is you would just skip your turn to give the Chronotog his plus two plus two before you actually got to where your turn would happen. And it, it gets into complicated rules. But essentially you skip your turn and they have to take another turn and you never take another turn for the whole game. So you never draw another card and they have to draw their whole deck, but they can't do anything because no matter what they do, whenever they play it, it's already tapped. Yeah. Um, and so he went like probably 30 cards deep before he realized that it was a lock and there was no way to get out of it. Huh. And then he looked at me and he gave me this look like he was about to kill me and he <laughs> flipped the table. Oh my God. Started gosh. calling me names. Yeah, it was an actual table flip. I. It was awesome. <laughs> and he came after me and two of the other bigger guys there grabbed him and pulled him back. And he's like, if I ever see your face here again, I'll kill you. And I was like, dude, you told me to build this Yeah, deck. I just did what you said. And, yeah, I followed your instructions to the letter. And uh, that's outside of, of your normal video game stuff. That was, you know, get, I, I didn't expect a reaction like that out of him. But those kind of challenges where you where you challenge somebody to do something that you don't think they're going to be able to, to accomplish – and then we pulled it off. It was awesome. That, that's one of my favorite memories of Magic ever. I still go back to Magic probably because of that moment, just because that was such a good feeling that yeah. we we took something that somebody thought we couldn't do and we broke it. And, <laughs> and we we broke the tournament because of it, because it was an unbeatable deck unless you knew, unless your deck was specifically ready to deal with that. And most people didn't have the cards in their deck to deal with what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Cause the, the final piece of the combo was a counter spell. So whatever they tried to do to break up your combo, you needed them to do that so you could counter it. So there was no way they could figure out to get out of it. So it was a, uh, it, it, that's, that's one of my favorite all-time memories of, of gaming was we we probably spent 30, 40 hours trying to get that deck together during that week. But wow. once we did, it took off. Huh. All right. I think I've asked you everything. I guess are you ready to transition into interviewing me? Yeah. So we, we know that your mom is part of the reason that you play games. Um, 
And for the listeners who don't know that, it's because you didn't listen to the Q&A that we did. Um, and you're fake if you didn't. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so it, we did the Q&A too early, we think, because we do want more questions from the listeners. And we'll revisit it. But it's worth going to listen to because you'll get to good. hear some really cool stories. It was a fun episode. Um, but what, I mean, besides sitting down and watching her play like what did she ever kind of drive you into it or was it just your interest in the games that she was playing and and has she been a gamer her whole life as well yeah uh she she kind of started with the snes and then she played on there afterwards not as many games but she still played and i I, like i said i mainly watched her but and this was at a point where i was really little so i wasn't good at games but um i would still play a lot of snes games like you know, whether it be, like, two-player Mario with her or just, you know, whenever she was, like, out or doing something, I would be playing, you know, like, Aladdin, Mario, Zelda, Secret of Mana, which I had no idea what was going on in that game. Um, <laughs> I, w- I would play them. I wasn't, you know, nearly as good and would never get through them. Like, it would kind of just be, like, starting the game for 20 minutes and then turning it off because who knows what saving is. Um, so it would kind of right. be that. Um and, you know, as we got more consoles, it kind of became more my thing. Um, but starting out with the SNES, it was definitely a combination of watching her play. And then whenever she wasn't playing, I was kind of trying my own hand at it. And do you guys play stuff together? Yeah, all the time. Um, That's awesome. It's a lot of Mario is mainly what we play. Yeah. Whether it be like, you know, sports games, Mario Kart, or just you know, regular Mario games. She loves Donkey Kong. And won't let me play it with her. Um, <laughs> I can watch, but I can't. I, we can't do two player. And uh, gotcha. Tropical Freeze is a hard game. You know that's a right. difficult game, and she beat it. She was so proud. And I never came in as a you know like a player two to help her. She did it all on her own. <laughs> Matt, you guys need to do Kirby then. I know we probably should honestly. Yeah, you guys would have a blast with Kirby. Um, okay, so. So we know how you got started. So let's let's take Zelda, the Zelda franchise, and my favorite Nintendo Princess Link out <laughs> of out of the running. Okay. Actually, actually, no. Better yet, because I still know what you're going to answer, even if I take those out. Take out any Nintendo character. Okay. Any of like the main stuff, like the Pokemon's, the Mario's. Okay. All of those. And give me your favorite character and mem- and and what made them your favorite character. From, like, memories? Yeah. Okay, that's going to be tough. Let me think about that. So what did I have? Yeah. Okay. I'm, Other than I'm Nintendo. I'm completely removing Nintendo from the <laughs> equation because I know where you would go. Okay, so the earlier consoles I had, PS2. Um... PSP. I mainly only have Nintendo and PlayStation. Man, you are a Nintendo fanboy. I mean, the only <laughs> real character I can think of, the earliest one, I don't really... Like, on PS2, I had games... I had a lot of licensed games. I had The Sims. I had Thrillville. Then I had, like, Scooby-Doo and, you know, games like that. So I guess I didn't really have anyone on the PS2 I was super connected to. But... Early on to the PS3, 
one of the first characters I found and absolutely adored was Nathan Drake. So still a little bit later, um, just because there wasn't really an opportunity for a character on the PS2 for me to connect with, um, but, you know, the first few minutes into Uncharted, I I actually started with two, um, based off a friend's recommendation, then went back to one, then three, then four, then Lost Legacy. Um, I knew minutes in, this is a great game, and it was one of the early PS3 games I, pl- I played, and I just adored it, and I adored the, the writing and the characters. I, I love that universe. You and Olivia share an affinity for Nathan Drake. Uh, I actually, oh, it's great. I, I'll have to send you the picture, because I, I, I have the... Um, the statue for of Nathan Drake from from three the collector's edition recently uh, from four. Oh, I have one from three. Um, <laughs> I th- I think I had the one. No, I never got the one from three. Um, I love Nathan Drake. He's also a daddy. Yeah. Yep, he is, <laughs> and he has a little adventurous daughter. Um, and so yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Drake as well. I think he's just a He's one of those deep, well-written characters that's uh, that's human. Yeah, he, no, for he, sure. He's a great character. You know, and he makes mistakes, and he has emotion, and, and they, Naughty Dog did so well with that. Like, it was just such a, a great series. So I'm with you on Nathan Drake. So now I'll take off the restrictions. Favorite character slash memory of all time, Nintendo included. Of all time. Okay. This is actually a very recent memory. Uh, my favorite memory of all time is actually when the Switch came out. Because, I don't know if I've ever told the story on a podcast, but I think I mentioned I mentioned it in writing. Um, the day the Switch came out, you know, I had pre-ordered since January. Um, my boyfriend decided he wanted one the day of. So, he was at work calling places, and I was calling places, and actually going out and looking, and we couldn't find anywhere. And finally, I called a Best Buy, and she said, no, we don't have any. And I was like, do you, like, are there any stores that have any? And she checked, and she was like, there's one at this one store. It was up in Scottsdale. Um, and I was like, all right, thank you. And I called Andy, and I was like, go, 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 because he was kind of close to it. And right. he beat a person by, like, he actually walked faster to beat a guy that was going in to get it and barely got it, and uh, he got Zelda with it. And for, like, two or three weeks straight, we honestly just, whenever we hung out, it was, you know, if I was at his house, he was docked and playing, and I was on uh, handheld. If he was at my house, I was docked, he was on handheld. And we just sat together and played Zelda. And it was so cool. And, you know, like, when we saw the things, like, you know, like, one of the dragons pop up, we'd be like, look, and we looked at the other's game. And then I was filling in the map, and I accidentally started uh, the Zora quest because Sidon just happened to find me. And there was just so... And, like, all the podcasts I listened to at that time were experiencing the game with us. And it was just such an aura of... You know, this was something that was so rare in games. It was such a huge and open world that we knew nothing about. So going into it, everybody just had these huge experiences and were finding new things. And it was... Everybody was sharing their experiences. And it was such a cool time, you know? Everybody was coming into this at once. And everybody... The second they got the paraglider went different directions and did different things and the hyper on the switch when it launched everything was so positive and 
everybody was loving their console and trying to find one. And it was just such a cool moment where everyone in gaming was so connected over this one, you know, this one system, this one game. And that, you know, it is so recent, but that is probably my one of one of my favorite gaming memories. Uh, and and obviously Link is is one of your favorite characters of all time. Yeah. I don't think I wouldn't say yeah. he's my favorite though. Who who is who is your absolute favorite? Yeah. Is it Nathan Drake or is, um, or is there somebody else? I don't know. Those are my favorite systems. Um but Link I, I I'm much more of a fan of Zelda. I think she's has a really yeah. cool character. You know, the thing with Peach is like, you know, she just gets captured and bakes cakes. Right. But Zelda, you know, she's really depending on which one you play, she's really three dimensional and a lot of the time she's not even being you know, just like a damsel in distress. Like in the end of Twilight Princess, she's right there in the final battle shooting light arrows at, at Ganondorf, you know? Um, right. So I think she's a really kind of interesting character, especially for a Nintendo. Because um, she she is a lot stronger. Um, other than that, I think another really cool character from a game that I think it sold a million copies, maybe almost two, didn't, didn't really do great. It was in the PS3 launch window is uh, Heavenly Sword. Oh yeah, and uh, the character Nariko in that game, first of all, her design is awesome, um, but second of all, she just the story of that game is so gut wrenching and just crazy. You know, she lives this life where she's just hated by almost everyone who she has known for her whole life, and then she sacrifices herself to save them and save her clan's legacy. And I think that is such a compelling story. And it, it was so sad to see that the second one got canceled because I think she's such an interesting character. Um, beyond that, characters like Laura Croft, I think, you know, are awesome. Yeah. All the Zelda characters, you know, the champions of Breath of the Wild, I think are all really cool. Um, i trying to think what other Nintendo characters I like. I mean, a lot of Nintendo, you know, isn't too heavy on story, but all the Uncharted mm-hmm. characters... Um, there's so many games that I think have, have great, great characters, but those are some of my favorites. So one, another early gaming memory I have is, uh, Christmas. I, I don't remember what year it was, but, uh, we opened all of our presents and we had the Nintendo 64 at this time. And it was either that or the DVD player. They were in the same place. And my mom was like, you know, we just finished opening our presents. My mom was like, go get, you know, it was either like the controllers or go get the DVD to put in. Uh, so I go over and I pull open the drawer and where the Nintendo 64 was, I, I just, I said, I think Santa left us something else. And I, I, we had a GameCube and I think I, I, I'm 90% sure I knew what the GameCube was at that point. So I opened the drawer, you know, expecting to see the 64 and there, there's a GameCube and it was I, like I said, I, I think Santa left something else, and I just stared at it, and I was in awe. And I can't remember what game we had at launch for it. Uh, we never actually had uh, Sunshine, so it wasn't Sunshine. It was probably a Mario Party or something that we could all play together. Uh, my dad was never a huge gamer, but he would actually play Mario Party with us sometimes. He was always boo. Um, and then I, I remember we, we played it. I don't remember if it was all of us or just me and my sister or me or me and my mom i don't remember but 
we played it pretty much all Christmas, and just opening the drawer and seeing it there was so awesome, and I was so happy, and I I was perplexed. I thought that Santa, you know, forgot to wrap it or something and just left it there, and I was so happy. That's awesome. That's 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 the fun of of any time that you're giving gifts to to especially especially younger kids. You know, with Chloe, we've been having so much fun doing stuff like that, and mm-hmm. you know, you guys know behind the scenes what what we're working on for Easter, which is a big deal for Chloe. So I, I'm I'm with you on that. Like it's those type of things so are awesome. Happy. So okay, so. Do you have more that you want to talk about or do you want to jump into kind of the hive mind of the big moments in video game history for a couple minutes? I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, Just kind of remembering like the first E3s I watched and seeing things get revealed. Like when I first discovered E3, it was like I always described it as Christmas, but you have to wait for all your presents and you also have to pay for all of them. Yeah, it's painful. (laughs) Especially I, I whenever they announced, like, uh, what was Dragon Scale? And it was like, you know, games yeah. like that where you're like, oh, this looks brilliant. Then E3 later, then E3 later, they keep on giving seven, you a little bit seven of Seven E3s. Yeah, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, we canceled it. It's like, oh, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's always a sad part. But discovering E3 for the first time, so cool. Yeah. I, I guess, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't really think of anything else big. Uh Let's transition. All right. So we are going to spend, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes or so on however long it takes, really. But I imagine 10 or 15 minutes for just a few of the the big moments in gaming that, that we can think of off the top of our head throughout the entire history of gaming. Um, Should we each take like a turn, go like one for one? Yeah. I mean, we can we can also just kind of jump in over each other as, as it triggers other memories and just kind of rapid fire it. If it turns into that, we'll just kind of see what happens. And we should be fair that some of this, um, we're doing research behind the scenes for something else. So some of these, we may actually have, you know, uh, done research. So it's not going to be exactly fair that those pop up randomly. But I think I think we'll we'll try to stick mainly to just things that pop into our heads out of nowhere. And uh, shall I start us off? Yeah, fire away with with okay. a big moment. Not not a personal one. A big moment in the industry. And I'm I'm gonna say I'm just gonna basically repeat myself. I think the Switch launch was huge. Uh, we find out later that it's the fastest selling console in U.S. history, mm-hmm. um, and it sold out. And trying to find one of those things was panic but i think the whole gaming world really united with the switch launch and you know not everybody not all of it was positive but i think a huge amount of the reception around that thing was positive and zelda winning you know every game of the year award imaginable they they launched two 10 out of 10 games within the first year and i think that the that whole launch was an incredible moment that everybody was paying attention to yeah nintendo really redeemed themselves with with their with the switch it was uh because they were on such a low before uh, that i i was i was making the predictions that nintendo was about to go third party they were about to pull i think everybody was and i'll i'll tell you one of the one of the big things about the switch and we've mentioned it before is we have a dock in the kids room and a dock in the living room 
And so, you know, with like Mario Kart and Kirby and some of the games, and even Shantae, which she likes to play together, um, the fact that we can be playing in the living room and then decide, all right, well, mom's going to watch TV. Let's go into your room and we just pick it up and plop it down. And you get to play. So For, easy. Yeah. First time I heard about that, I was like, that's the stupidest idea ever. Who's ever going to do that? And we do it all the time. And, and I remember when the, when the reveal came out in uh, October 2016, uh, when it just happened so seamlessly, um, I remember everybody being like, oh, that's simulated. There's no way it's going to work that quickly. Right. And it totally did. And, and Nintendo took everything they learned from the previous systems, shoved it all into one, and made... I mean, the other night, whenever Kirby launched, I, I was just trying it out for a few minutes and so i grabbed it out of her room but stuff we're doing stuff for our house so we didn't have the tv or anything hooked up and i played it handheld mode and that screen even though it's only at most what 720 it still looks as good as a big screen because it's you know it's a compact screen but it's it looks really really good while you're playing handheld and it's comfortable especially if you get like a grip for it and Nintendo. And then you remember that that Wii U, uh, the gamepad screen was so oh, ugly was and dim. It was horrible. And the Switch is just beautiful. Yeah, and the speakers are loud. And, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's. It, Nintendo's done a lot with the Switch, and I think that it's really changed the, the way that people are going to look at games, or at least look at Nintendo. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what Sony. I'm not so worried about my, what Microsoft is going to do. Microsoft is kind of doing their xbox slash pc is our new thing once once the switch comes up they're totally going to be in third place yeah and so switch a year or two so yeah i'm wondering kind of what sony's going to do because they they started this idea of having a handheld console whenever they were doing the the uh remote play so i'm wondering if they're going back to the drawing board for that I mean, they've said there's not going to be a Vita 2. They have no plans on doing that. But I think with the success of the Switch, I think they really have to kind of look at that and see if they really want to stick with that statement. Well, and and it may be that their next system is a much more powerful version of the Switch, something that does something similar. Could be. Because, you know, I think we're getting closer and closer to getting away from disc-based gaming. I think we're getting closer and closer to it. It may be another couple generations of consoles but we're getting close to cloud gaming and and digital only gaming and Mm -hmm. sony has already done that they have experience with doing that with that psp go and while it wasn't a great system the idea was there so it'll be interesting to see what the switch does And and that is a big moment and nintendo was also the the one that started the handheld revolution and got the race for that going with the Game Boy. Like, mm-hmm. no, nobody thought somebody wanted something like that going. So that was another huge moment is Tetris on the Game Boy. I remember going to watch the Rangers play with my dad, and I'm not a, I'm not a uh, baseball fan. I'm a FIFA uh-huh. fan. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, we'd go watch the Rangers play, and I would have the Game Boy with me with the all the accessories that you had to buy for it just so you could see the screen. Because the screen was so bad. But, yeah. you know, I would sit in the back of the car as we were driving home and I'd be playing Tetris for hours on end. Or That was a huge game. Yeah, or the first Mario games on it or, or the first Kirby game on it. You know, and I remember all of those clearly. And it's because Nintendo 
Nintendo tries, Nintendo takes big risks and recently those risks have not paid off, but until but the very Switch. Very recently. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, the Switch paid off, the Game Boy play, paid off, and then the Game Boy they're Color They're never competing off. with no, Sony and Microsoft, ever. No, they're always doing something different and everybody looks at it and they're like, why are you making a system that's not even as powerful as last gen con- you know, consoles like whenever they did the Wii? And then you start playing with it. You're like, oh yeah, because games this, are supposed this to be is why. just fun. And yeah. uh, so Nintendo's been always on top of that. One of one of the other big moments in gaming that was probably the biggest flop in gaming was the Nokia Taco Phone system. I don't oh, know. I know about. I know about this. Yeah. So it was called. Um, oh God! What was? I always called it the Taco. I. I like I called it the taco so much I cannot remember what the actual name of the thing was. The Hold on, let, let me let me Google this. Oh man, what was it? And, and I'm pretty sure it was Nokia, correct? Engage. Yeah, the Engage. And it was Nokia that was making it, right? Yes. Okay. So I was it's actually a PDA at, and a telephone. Yeah, so I was actually at a a conference whenever they announced this thing. And it was so funny cuz because the PR guys were there trying to get us all pumped up about it. And you could tell they even felt defeated. Like, <laughs> like they were trying to can tell I, us how Can I just say, <laughs> let me interrupt real quick. Wikipedia, first weeks of availability in the United States, it was outsold by the Game Boy Advance 100 to 1. Yeah, this sounds about right. Like, it was just <sighs> a terrible, I mean, the idea maybe was there, but it was not ready. And Mm-mm. it was... It was just so sad to watch these PR guys. They had the worst PR job ever because they're like, check out our taco. You can play games on it. And, you know, we have this big game that they're making where you get to shoot stuff and just try it. I mean, it was just, it was, they, I don't know what Nokia was going with. I don't know if they thought maybe they would have a situation like what the Switch had where they're like, we think we have something here. But the people who tried it, everybody knew, like, oh, this is a mess. Um, and that was, we've had some flops, but that was easy, easily the biggest flop that I can remember ever happening. The Dreamcast I've, is close, but. I've got one. Bigger than the Nokia Taco? No, not not oh, at okay. all. And it, it wasn't really a huge flop, uh, but it, it 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 may or may not be your favorite console. Um, the Saturn, yeah, they bungled that release in the worst way possible. And it was weird because I was it was right whenever I was either about to work at Funko or or. or I may have been at Funko. What? When did the Saturn actually release? Let me um, Google it. And I can, because it's hard to remember, but I can tell you whether or not I was working there at that point or 94, not. 94, November. 94. No, so I was hanging out up there. I was working on getting to work there because I, I think I started in 90, late 95. So but, let me let me explain it for people who don't know. Yeah. The launch of the Saturn was supposed to be... Um, like they they had a set date or everything and everything, and then, like Sega of Japan was, uh, I think it was Sega of Japan that ordered this. I don't remember. I I think it was at E three. It was at a conference where they were like, "Oh, 
it's available now, right? It was like now. Yeah, yeah. And it it wasn't supposed to be released, and they only gave it to big retailers. And so the little retailers were mad and refused to sell it. And everybody was mad because nobody had their money uh, ready. And then the PlayStation was $100 cheaper. Right. And it was, it just, the way they released it killed that system. And it's interesting to wonder if they had released it properly and, you know, had a set release date and everything. I I wonder how how it would have done. Um, when Sony did their conference, they uh, they announced the, the American president and he just came up and so he had a speech ready. He just came up and said, Two ninety nine and walked away, and there right. was huge applause because the I believe it was three ninety nine for the uh, Saturn, and and they just they just bungled that release, and they they you know were trying to launch games that weren't ready, and it just it just killed that system. It did, it's, and and this is the crazy thing about the Saturn it is, you know, you can look at it from that angle, but at that point I was you know I've told the story of how I got to work at Funko, I just hung out there all the time. But I was up at Funkoland hanging out and waiting and just a big shipment came in out of nowhere on a day that mm-hmm. it normally wouldn't come in. Oh, and that's interesting. the guys working there were like, what is this? And they start opening and they're like, it's Sega Saturns. Like, that's that's, in- that's an interesting story. And they had that's no cool. idea they were coming. Like just all of a sudden, huh. out of the blue, Sega Saturn showed up. And I ran home and got some stuff to trade in and bought it that day. And I got home, and a couple of friends came over, and they were like, "What is this?" I'm like, "This is <laughs> this is the Saturn," and they're that's like, "What?" Crazy. And it was nobody had any clue, and that's how messed up that launch was. Is as you can read about, like, oh, it came out, and uh, you know, see, you know, people didn't know about it. But it, it's hard to wrap your mind around the idea of not knowing that a huge system just appeared out of nowhere, and. That's crazy. Friends came over and they were. I, I was playing. Um, I think it was uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga on it, and they were like, "What? What is this?" And I'm like, "I'm playing Panzer Dragoon Saga on the second uh, Sega Saturn." <sighs> and they were like, "What? When did that come out?" And I was like, "This afternoon, like around two. And they're like, "What? This is bizarre." And it was just oh one of those God. strange moments that. The, like, if I wasn't at a game store at that moment, I wouldn't have known that it came out. Yeah. I, I just happened to be there and I watched the shipment come in. It was the weirdest thing in the world. And uh, yeah, that's that was a a big flop. It, it wasn't a Nokia Taco flop, but it was really, really close. Um, that's crazy. I know. Let's, let's, let's go back and forth with one more big moment if we can think of them, and then we will close out the show for this week. Um, All right. You go first. Let me think of one. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, of what I would consider one of the biggest. I, I got to say that the Atari was a huge, huge thing um, because it was it – was, the first time that, you know, there's a whole history that leads up to it with, with uh, a whole, you know, like uh, computer guys just making computer games at the the universities they were at and things like that. But, you know, up until the Atari and the Commodore and, and all those different things launched, 
your only option was to go to an arcade. And then all of a sudden you had Pong in your house and you had, you know, very basic games at first. But the Atari was what made it so that you could sit down in front of a TV and you could play Pong. I mean, the Pong machine that came out before it, you could argue, was the big one. But I think Atari was what really launched and almost killed the console market because it, it became yeah. oversaturated. And Nintendo to had to pull on, that back out of the ground. Yeah, and, and to piggyback on it, Nintendo is the one that ultimately saved the console market by releasing the NES. So With Rob the Robot is how they did that too, which and I Rob think is was wild. Awesome. Yeah, and so, and so it's crazy to look back and think like the the company that started all Atari, mm-hmm. almost killed it, and then Nintendo came in, and Nintendo almost died too, but they came back out of it. Now, you know, who knows what's going on with Atari? Stronger than ever. Yeah, but it's it's that's that that's one of my all time biggest moments of of gaming is is. Atari getting people on board and then crushing their dreams of having consoles be something. And then mm-hmm. Nintendo swooping in and going, no, consoles are good. Check it out. And, uh, it, it, you know, in, in like 83 or 84, if Nintendo wouldn't have done what they did, we wouldn't have had a console market, at least for a while. And so ultimately, you know, my biggest moment in history of gaming at least for for this podcast, without getting too deep into some of the other stuff that we've been researching, the biggest moment is Nintendo saving the console market after Atari launched it, made it the biggest thing in the world, and then crushed it. And then Nintendo yeah. just swoops in and saves it all. And that's that's probably one of the most important gaming things of of all time is Nintendo. Yeah, which is uh, for crazy. Mine- for mine, I'll go with another one that's in my lifetime because, you know, obviously I have more knowledge of those because right. it's in my lifetime. Um, and this is very similar to the first one, I'm going to say, and it's the launch of the Wii. And yeah. that was another system completely underpowered. Nobody understood it or why. And it was strange and just weird. And it sold like crazy. And, you know... Wii Sports is a game that everybody, if they haven't played it, I mean, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that hasn't played Wii Sports. I mean, oh, yeah. everybody loves that game. I remember hearing stories of, you know, like elderly people who would use it to work out with like Wii Fit, and it was such a beautiful launch title to launch with that system because it told you everything you needed to know and was super fun to play. And I remember getting it for Christmas I'm pretty sure when I opened it, I mounted my mom and started screaming. Like, I, <laughs> I got on, like, I was so excited. And because what happened was my mom was looking for it everywhere, couldn't find it. My grandpa calls her and he's like walking around Walmart. And he's like, hey, I see one of those. I don't think he even knew what it was. I think he called it like a Nintendo. And he's like, do you want me to get it? And my mom was like, yes, because, you know, you couldn't find the Wii anywhere. And I got one for that Christmas. And I was so happy. The first night, we all sat down and played Wii Sports, and it was so much fun. And I think that was such a huge launch, and it was another another example of Nintendo just, you know, both, you know, Nint- or, uh, Microsoft and Sony are running straight, and then Nintendo's, you know, running sideways, and it 
was the best-selling console of that uh, generation, and I think it's pretty obvious why. You know, with games like Mario Kart Wii, you know, um, Twilight Princess and Smash Bros. and Mario, uh, New Super Mario Bros. Wii, just all those games were so much fun to play and just worked for the system beautifully. And it, it was just a, it was a great system. And and your mom probably went through hell to to get that system. It was yeah. I mean, she looked. It was hard. She was telling out. me later she looked <laughs> everywhere and couldn't find it. And my grandpa just calls her and says, "There's there's one sitting here." And she was like, "Get it." She's like, "I'll pay yeah. you back." <laughs> it was it was unreal. There there would be people outside of my store at six a.m. and we didn't open until ten, just yeah, waiting and. and it actually changed the hour. We started opening at 8 a.m. throughout the week for a while. Really? Yeah, because it was in such high demand, and we were getting a few each day. And uh, so we'd be there at 8 a.m. to take calls. And, I mean, we we went from answering the phone of, thank you for calling so-and-so, you know, where you can trade in your games or whatever, to uh, – this is such and such. We currently don't have any movies in stock. Please call back. We'll have them. Uh, we have another. Would people hang up on you? And that was it. That was the conversation. Then they'd say, "Okay, thanks, bye." And <laughs> that's that's what the phone calls were at that point. Is wow. Hey, there's no wheeze. Okay, thanks. Have a good day. You and know that's funny. Working at Target, get the same calls when the switch launched, and we get two or three every day. People would be lined up at six. Yeah. Same yeah, thing. The, the Wii was even crazier. I mean, the Wii was in such high demand, especially over the holidays. There would be lines of 10 or 15 people waiting outside by, by 7, 7.30, and, you know, we'd open at 8, and they would they would fight to get in, and, yeah. and they wanted to be the first one to get it. And we didn't even get our shipments until later in the day anyway, so, I'd, you know, we tried to explain that, but they would hang out in the store, and our stores were just constantly being, you know, it was, it was just people, they looked like zombies at that point because they'd been running everywhere trying to find it, but... Mm-hmm. You know, just hanging out in the store and talking and waiting for a shipment to come in. And then it would. And you would have 10 people there and eight systems come in. And it's like, oh, God, you know, mm-hmm. we got to do a lottery for this. And, yeah, that wow. that system created chaos. And, it, you know, it's mm-hmm. it has to do with supply and demand. And they did it again with Switch. I mean, not as bad, but still, still even when I picked good. up the Switch, <laughs> which was which – was, much later on in his life cycle than because the the switch launched in uh what was it february of last year march march, march of last year so i would without pick, without the holiday launch or launch i might add that yeah, did that so, in march yeah so i went in february of this year to pick up a switch and i still had to call around to find one but i mean a year later it's still hard to find yeah so it looks like they finally have it under control now, but it's, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a lot more available now. Yeah, I think the Wii it was about two years of chaos of trying to get a hold of it, and it's, yeah, you know, it was just and part of it was probably you know they were doing motion control, which I'm sure took a little bit longer to manufacture, and it was something new and things like that. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for it, but man, that that system. That's all I talked about for two years at work was, no, we don't have a Switch. No, I mean, no, we don't have the Wii. No, we don't have the Wii. No, we don't have the Wii. And, you know, people people would offer us, like, hey, man, I'll give you $800 just to sell me the Wii right off the truck. I'm like, dude, I, man, that sounds great, but can't do it. I mean, people were that desperate for it. They're willing to pay $800,000 to, to do get anything it ahead of time. For it. Yeah, it was unreal. So, um, 
there's a lot of moments we missed here. There's a lot of other moments, but don't worry. We are the Historia Network. We are going to cover them all in time. Um, so this was just kind of a, a fun look back at some of our favorite moments and some of the bigger moments that that have happened in, in our particular lifetimes. And you can kind of see the difference of, you know, for me, it was Atari. For Colby, it was Nintendo. And, yeah, and so <laughs> you can kind of see the, the generational difference. But the fact is, like, you know, we're gaming's been around for really about 50 years at this point, if not a little bit longer than that. It started in like 64. Um, if you want to get technical. Mm-hmm. So somewhere around there, I'll have to find the exact date. Don't quote me on that, but it started somewhere in the sixties. Um, if the not 60s. a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, gaming has been around for forever, f- for longer than most of us. And, you know, the, we're going to get more into, you know, what does Chuck E. Cheese and Peter Piper Pizza have to do with it? And, you know, all kinds of different things that that uh, that we'll cover later. But this one, we just wanted to cover some, some fun little memories, a little trip down memory lane, um, as it were. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good place to stop is, is the Wii is, was, was chaos and created created violence and hatred and, and anger <laughs> and, and it was a it was a system that people loved so um you have anything else before we sign off for today colby uh no thank you all so much for listening yep and make sure you follow us uh really just for right now while we're getting everything situated just hit up gaminghistoria.com you'll find our twitter and facebook pages there uh YouTube and Twitch are coming up soon. We've been testing out Twitch to make sure we have it all set like we like. Um, we have some other stuff we're working on as well. For now, just hit Gaming, Gaming Historia or follow me at Limited Fell on Twitter, and I'll keep you updated. Or follow Colby on Twitter. Colby underscore Tor. Yep, and we'll keep you updated on what all's going on. Um, yep. Also, check out In Search of the Story. It's up on... Uh, iTunes and Google things will be up on Stitcher soon they're going up on SoundCloud now but haven't had time to get everything uploaded to SoundCloud but check out In Search of the Story as well which is our newest podcast that is getting into the story aspect and narrative driven games as opposed to um, history uh, history stuff Uh, which is funny because one of the games we're about to cover is called The Council Um, hopefully in not this week, but the week after that. So tune in for that as we really start digging into my historical knowledge where George Washington and Napoleon and a couple other people are part of the story. And and uh, we get into that on In Search of the Story. So uh, very different sounding podcasts. Both of them are very fun. So if, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe, share it with people, let people know we're out there. Get Help us help us get our name out there because, uh, yeah. you know. We're we're gonna keep on going every week. This is week seven, and uh, we don't plan on stopping. So, nope. Thank you guys, and again, gaminghistoria.com. Just go straight to the site. Don't Google it or anything. It'll, it's still populating on Google and moving up on the on the charts. But gaminghistoria.com is going to be your home to find everything you need to know about where to find us, what's going on, things like that. So. Uh, With that said, we appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.